Hello, I'm Sherry House, a missionary living in Thailand who loves to study the lives of great women of whom it can be said she hath done what she could. Welcome to Silhouettes, my weekly story about a lady whose life challenges, encourages, and teaches me. I hope as you listen today, your heart will be encouraged and challenged too to do what you can for the Lord. So grab a cup of tea, sit back and enjoy. Let me tell you her story. Sadie Custer was born on January 29, 1911 in Allendale, Michigan. Her father was a farmer who loved the Lord and read the Bible to his family every day. Although Sadie was brought up in a Christian home and went to Sunday school and church regularly, it wasn't until she was 17 years old that she came to know the Lord personally. One evening at their church's winter missions conference, Sadie yielded her heart and dedicated her life to the Lord for His service. Sadie graduated from Moody Bible Institute on August 1, 1935. The following summer, she attended candidate school at the China Inland Mission and was approved to be a missionary. On September 11, 1936, at the age of 25, Sadie, along with 40 other missionary ladies, boarded a Japanese liner bound for China. It was a long, arduous journey that included ships, buses, trains, an old Ford truck, a ferry, another truck, a little barge, and a long trek. But Sadie was excited to arrive in Yangchow for language school. In May of 1937, Sadie and an experienced Canadian missionary named Bertha Silversides were assigned to start a work in the village of Qingji in the province of Shenqi. The mission board's plan was to rent a house that would serve as church and home to the missionaries for 10 years. By then, they expected the church to be self-supporting, self-governing, and self-propagating. This was their goal from the start, and Sadie's team consisted of Bertha and herself and four nationals, a cook, Mr. Cheng, a housekeeper, Mrs. Tan, an evangelist, Mr. Yang, and an interpreter, Mrs. Wu. Most often, Sadie, Bertha, and Mrs. Wu would visit the villages in the mountains. They'd have to climb up and over lots of large rocks. Sometimes they had to crawl on all fours, and sometimes the path was only inches wide that they had to squeeze through. At every home they came to, they asked if anyone had ever heard of the gospel. No one had. Many had never left their village before. The village people could hardly believe the goodness of the Lord to send someone to them to tell them this great news of salvation. Sadie and her team reaped a great harvest. They began holding church services and short-term Bible school classes. The people were so eager to learn more about the Lord and bring their friends to hear the gospel that they were willing to walk miles and miles in all kinds of weather over all kinds of terrain just to come to church services. The church began to grow, and they often had over a hundred in attendance. Sadie and her team faced every trial with the knowledge that God would see them through. Sometimes the trial was not enough rain. Sometimes it was too much rain. One time, the people misunderstood the evangelist, and the word spread that the Christians were going to roast and eat the people who came to church. Through gunfire and bombings during the Sino-Japanese War and the advancing communists during World War II, Sadie and her team continued to faithfully do their work, and God blessed. At the 10-year mark, the church at Qingji had its own church property, was self-supporting, self-governing, and self-propagating. At the same time, the mission board was struggling to find anyone willing to teach Bible classes in a different area further north. When Sadie was told that hundreds of new believers were waiting to be taught, 
she agreed to accept this assignment. For the next five years, she would go from church to church around the Xinjiang province and hold two-week Bible school classes, where she taught on a variety of subjects. Everywhere she went, people accepted her in their homes. She dressed like the Chinese, ate like the Chinese, and spoke like the Chinese. She slept on whatever her host could provide for her for a bed, and often had rats for roommates. Sometimes 30 people might be sleeping in a single room, and everyone had to use the cow field for a restroom. To get from one place to the next, Sadie used all manner of transportation— bikes, rickshaws, wheelbarrows, and even carriers who would carry her sometimes for miles through the mud. And she walked. Sadie walked thousands and thousands of miles. Some churches had only a handful of students, and some churches had hundreds ready and waiting for her arrival. Classes were held daily from morning to evening. After the evening meal, Sadie would sing songs and play games with the young people, and then they would have a preaching service. God gave Sadie the strength needed to do the work. By December 1949, China was declared fully under communist control. They allowed the church doors to stay open, but forbid the missionaries to teach or put money in the offering plate. Eventually, the government would not renew their visas, and the missionaries were forced to leave. Sadie went back to the States for a few years to care for her invalid mother, who was failing in health. After her furlough, there was a need for missionaries to work with the Chinese living in Malaysia. The mission board couldn't send families with children because the conditions in the country were not safe, and so they asked Sadie and some of the other single women if they'd be willing to go. Sadie accepted the assignment. On July 1, 1955, at the age of 44, Sadie sailed for Malaysia, where she would need to learn a new culture and a different form of Chinese. She wondered if she was too old to do it again, but she knew with the Lord's help and the prayers of her friends and family back home, she could. Sadie immediately started learning Cantonese and took over a Sunday school class with 23 English-speaking Chinese and Indian girls. After three months of language study, she and another ministry partner were sent to a place known to the missionaries as the Ruins. It was a village of 3,000 people hidden way up in the mountains in the middle of the jungle. A work had been started eight months previous, but the missionary had had to leave for health reasons. Sadie started praying immediately that the Lord would give them one good family which would make the foundation for a church. The work was much harder than Sadie had experienced in China as Satan had such a stronghold on the people. Evangelistic meetings were scheduled a few months later and 200 people came to hear the two gentlemen evangelists who came to preach. Through personal soul winning and Bible clubs for kids, Sadie started seeing the Lord work. After five years, Sadie was asked once again if she would be willing to conduct Bible classes for the many national churches. Each week she went to a different province, and in every village she visited, she prayed that the Lord would give her at least one Chinese wholly dedicated to the Lord. She believed that that made all the difference to the village work. The Lord provided Sadie with wonderful Chinese partners in the ministry who carried her same burden and accompanied her wherever she went. Once she was asked to come to a family's house to teach them a Bible class. When she arrived, instead of one family, there were 200 people waiting to hear the gospel. Sadie begged God to provide a pastor for these people who were so eager to learn of him. Sadie worked in Malaysia for 17 years until the government wouldn't give her another work permit. From there, in July of 1972, at the age of 61, Sadie moved to Taiwan to work among the 200,000 Paiwan people. Previous missionaries had seen 60,000 of these come to know Christ, but they were scattered between 56 understaffed churches. Sadie was asked to go and help and teach the Bible, and she accepted the assignment. She would be living in rugged living conditions, dealing with unfamiliar customs, and would again have to learn another language. 
Sadie worked in Taiwan for three years before finally saying her last goodbye to Asia. When she moved back to the state, she settled in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and although she had retired from missions work, she wasn't done serving the Lord. For the next 12 years, she traveled extensively, raising awareness for the need for more missionaries and helping to form prayer groups that would commit to pray for them. In 1976, Sadie's eyesight would no longer allow her to drive, and so she moved to Lancaster, Pennsylvania to live in a missionary retirement home. On February 18, 2007, at the age of 96, Sadie Custer went home to be with the Lord. She often referred to herself as God's vagabond, his servant that went from place to place to place, sharing the gospel, encouraging the saints, and doing the work of the Lord. She never lost her amazement that the Lord would use her, a simple farm girl, to touch the lives of so many people in such faraway lands. Well, you can learn more about Sadie Custer on my website, SherryHouse.com. But let me tell you one more particular story from her life that resonated with one of my own. Every time Sadie was on furlough, she would travel from place to place, making every effort to form prayer groups. In her opinion, the greatest need for missionaries on the field was having solid prayer support. Sadie relied heavily on the commitment of her prayer partners. Sadie looked at her prayer partners as a powerful shield that protected her as she traveled thousands of miles and allowed her to have power from the Lord to do His work. Sadie had many family and friends praying for her, for sure, but one group stands out in particular. While on furlough between working in China and Malaysia, Sadie visited a church in Zion, Illinois. A group of young wives and mothers at that church committed themselves to meet weekly to pray for Sadie and her missions work. This group of women prayed faithfully for her for five decades. Isn't it any wonder she was able to accomplish so much for the Lord? Sadie wrote in her journal, My prayer partner stood shoulder to shoulder with me in the battle to see Satan's plans defeated in these precious Asian lives. I too have had many people that have prayed for me faithfully over the years. One person in particular stands out to me. I remember sometime back in the late 90s receiving a handwritten letter out of the blue from a gentleman from somewhere in Michigan. His letter spoke of his love for the Lord and for his dear wife that had recently passed away. It spoke of his retirement, but still wanting to be useful to the Lord. He spoke of deciding to spend his time praying for and writing to missionaries. I didn't know him. I had never been to his church. But somehow he found out about me and decided that he would pray for me faithfully in the work God had me doing. That gentleman sent me regular letters for over 10 years. One day I received a typed letter from him explaining that his hand was too shaky to write anymore and his health didn't allow him to spend the 8 to 10 hours a day like he used to writing missionaries. He had dictated this typed letter to one of his children and they had mass mailed it to the hundreds of missionaries that he wrote to and prayed for. That went on for a couple more years until one day I received a letter from his children saying that their father had passed away. Although I had never met this man, I felt like one of my greatest warriors in my army had fallen and I wondered who would stand in his place. I look forward to meeting him in heaven one day and thanking him personally for his sacrifice of time and labor of love for me and my ministry. Won't it be wonderful to be able to introduce him to so many that came to know Christ because of his faithful prayers? Today I'd like to talk to you a little bit about this matter of partnering in prayer. In her autobiography, speaking of all that was accomplished for the Lord during her 40 years on the mission field, Sadie says, 
Nothing of worth would have been accomplished without the faithful prayers of my prayer partners. I believe missionaries need a double portion of prayer because of the added opposition and sometimes the danger of being on the front lines of the battle. Lord, please bless the missionaries is not a sufficient prayer. It just isn't. Missionaries must have prayer partners who are all in. Prayer partners who are willing to sacrifice time in order to pray for them. Prayer partners who are interested in the work and become familiar with the names of the people and the cities that the missionary talks about in their prayer letters. Prayer partners that are yielded to the Holy Spirit and can get God's attention on behalf of their missionary they're praying for. If your habit is to pray, Lord, please bless the missionaries, let me encourage you today to expand on that. Here are some ideas of things that you could pray for along with some Bible verses. You could pray that your missionary will be free from doubt and fear. Claim Psalms 112 verse 7 for them. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. You could pray that they will have boldness to face wickedness and Satan's strongholds. Claim for them Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. You could pray for them to have good health, strength, perseverance, encouragement, a nice, safe, clean home, ministry partners, solid Christian families in their church. Pray for them to have enough expenses for living, for furlough, for their kids' education, for visas, work permits, health care, medical needs, for insurance. Pray for them to have freedom to preach and witness, for protection from those who might get envious, or from wolves in sheep's clothing, or from disgruntled church members. The list is endless that you can pray for for your missionaries. Let me ask you this. Have you ever committed to pray for a specific missionary? If so, don't stop. If you haven't ever made a commitment to pray for a specific missionary, I challenge you to ask the Lord to burden your heart for a missionary or a mission work that you can prayer partner with. Make a commitment, a commitment that lasts decades. You never know. Your prayers may be the thing that keeps the missionary on the field. Your prayers may be the thing that keeps Satan's hands bound when he would like to destroy the missionary and the work they're doing. Your prayers may be the thing that keeps the doors of a country open to the gospel. Your prayers may be the thing to alter the course of someone's life on the other side of the world or even an entire town. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's silhouette and learning about Sadie Custer's story and this matter of partnering in prayer. She truly was a woman of whom it could be said, she hath done what she could. Let's you and I go do what we can do. Silhouettes with Sherry is written and told by missionary Sherry House. To learn more about Sherry, this story, or other stories about women who were used of God, read Sherry's blog at sherryhouse.com. That's S-H-A-R-I house.com. Silhouettes can be heard at this time every week on this station. Silhouettes is a Causeway Media and Faith Music Radio production. Редактор